morning. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that it, nothing happens without your anointing. So, Father, I ask that this morning, that Holy Spirit, that you would anoint the words that come forth this morning. It is the anointing that destroys the yoke. It's the anointing that breaks bondages and chains. It's your anointing that sets people free, Lord. So, Father, I don't want people to hear my words, but, Lord, the words that are laced with the Holy Ghost, power and anointing. And I thank you, Lord, that you'll be upon your word this morning. And I thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So this morning I want to bring a word in it. Um, God's always amazing how he dovetails things in and um, Kath's communion message fitted in with what I'm bringing this morning. And um, so um, I titled my message this morning, It's Time to Reset the, the Default Setting in Our Lives. Amen. So it comes a time, everyone has a default setting and um, everyone knows that predominantly people are shaped and changed by circumstances in their lives and how you've been brought up, the people you hang around, the situations you find yourself in. So life in general tends to shape who we become um, and so oftentimes we will um, resort back to what we know and that's our default setting. And so... Um, those things that you learn as a child that, that are drummed into you. As an adult, um, you know, mum always drummed into us to, um, that we had to treat our elders with respect. So we always addressed our, um, anybody who, who was older, and that I meant anyone that was older from 20 years onwards. You know, when you're a kid, like 20 seems really old. Um, but we had to address them as Mr and Mrs. Um, these days, kids at school are encouraged even to call their teachers by their first name but um, my default setting and I even do it now is I will call somebody Mrs so-and-so um, and then they, they look at me funny and they say no you can call me Kath but you know I said oh sorry yeah but yeah we were always taught to um, say Mrs Day not, not Kath and so that's my default setting so I just automatically go back to that because that's how I was brought up. And so as we go in our life's journey, we all end up with our own set of default settings and um, you'll find yourself going back there um, when you are under pressure or when you're stressed or when things are difficult and get hard, you find that you will go back to your default setting. So, but people in general like routine. I know I like a bit of routine, even though I'm not such a routine person, some are ground and routine. Wayne is very routine, so he likes things to stay exactly the same. But in general, we all follow a routine. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you get dressed, you make your bed, you go and have some brekkie, and then your day starts, whatever you do. So you have a routine, and people like routine. It keeps you structured and it keeps you so your day runs smoothly. So there's nothing wrong with routine. But, you know, we fall into the pattern so easily and then we don't, as people, we don't take change very easily, do we? So then when something changes in your routine, it sort of throws you out a bit. So you've got to stop and think, mm, how can I adjust to fit in with this? And I was watching a, 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 a movie a few weeks ago called Shawshank Redemption. And um, this is to the extreme, but um, this man had been in jail somewhat 50 years, been in prison... And every day, one day turned up and the officer said, you're free to go. 
you've done your time, you're free to go. And this man was devastated because all he knew was prison life. All he knew was he couldn't do anything unless he was told to by the prison guards. He couldn't sleep without the prison guards saying so. He couldn't go to the bathroom without them saying so. He couldn't eat his meal unless they said he could. He got dressed when they said he could. He went to the um, library because that's where he worked when they said he could. So he did nothing unless he was told to do it. And all of a sudden he's got a, a, a suitcase with a meagre belongings in them and he's standing outside the prison gates and he's just in awe of what's outside. He had become institutionalised and so much so that that man ended up taking his life because he couldn't cope with the change. So great was the change when he got outside. There was nothing he could default back to because all he knew was prison life. And so life was too hard outside. Even changes in, in like cars had come into, into being. When he went into jail, it was horse and cart and all of a sudden there's cars everywhere and there's people everywhere and he just couldn't cope. And we, to a lesser degree, that's what happens when change comes into our life. If we lose a loved one or, or we have to change jobs or move house and that causes us to go back to our default settings. So whatever you were brought up with becomes your normal. I want to go to um, Deuteronomy chapter 34 verses 5 to 7. And it says here, this is talking about Moses and Moses is about to die. God's called him that he's going to die and he asked Moses to go up onto the mountain so that he could see the promised land because God said that you will not enter the promised land but I will show you the promised land. And so Moses, 120 years old, climbs the mountain. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he, and if you take notice that he is in capital letters, which means God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Pur, and no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigour diminished. 120 years old, he had good sight, and he was still strong and fit. He, you know, in, when you look in the kids' picture books, Moses is on a, on a stick, leaning on a stick, and he looks like an old man, and he's walking like an old man. But in the Bible, my Bible tells me that he had good eyesight and his, his um, natural abilities had not diminished. So he was still strong, but it was time. Moses had completed the work that God had sent him to do and God, buried, God himself buried Moses where no one knew that where Moses was buried. And I was thinking about that and I thought, why would God bury him somewhere so that no one would know where he's buried. And I believe it's because Moses had done the job that God had sent him to do and young Joshua was about to step up into his shoes. Now that's a pretty mighty um, shoes to fill, aren't they? <laughs> because um, the Bible tells us just over in a few verses later that uh, since then there has not arisen a prophet like Moses, one that knew God the way Moses knew God. And so Joshua, this young protege, was about to step into Moses' shoes. And, you know, people, like we were just talking about default, 
all of a sudden this change has come into their lives and these people now have to follow this young upstart after they've been following Moses all this time and they knew that God was with Moses and now they have to trust that God is going to be with this young man. And, you know, if God had showed them where Moses was buried, they would have camped around Moses. There would have been more than 30 days of mourning going on here. The Bible says they mourned for 30 days, but like people, like, like all of us, most of us are like the rest of us, they would have camped around there and they w- would have found it very, very hard to let Moses go and let Joshua stop up, step up and take his place as their new leader. So that's our default. Those people would have defaulted back to, well, you're not Moses. But life moves on and we've got to move on with it. Another story I'd like to show you is in Genesis 19 about um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And we'll start at, at verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters, who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, this is Lot, the men took hold of his hand and his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside of the city. And of course, um, I'll just skip a few verses there and go to verse 23. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. You know, back in um, chapter 13 of Genesis, God took Moses and uh, Abraham and and Lot up onto a high place because they were going to separate. And at that time, Lot chose. Abraham said to Lot, you choose where you want to go and wherever you choose and I'll go in the opposite direction. And so Lot looked down upon Sodom and Gomorrah, which were, Sodom was in the plains by the Jordan River, so it was rich, it was fertile, and being like most of us, he saw this looks like a good place, good crops, plenty of feed for the the sheep and so forth, the herds. And so he saw that there was, um, it was going to be a lucrative place to take hold of, so he chose that place. But what Lot didn't, didn't realise that the people of Sodom were very, very sinful. And the main sin in Sodom was um, adultery and, um, and sleeping with the opposite sex. So this is what was going on. And so Lot and his family lived amongst this, this city that was so sinful. And God in his mercy came and took Lot out. But, you know, who knows that when, when you have to leave something behind, it always has that pull on you. And, and they were told not to look back. And I see as they were going up the hill and Lot was taking his wife and his, his daughters, that his wife had a love of the things of Sodom and she looked back. You know, we look back at our default situation and if you're caught in drugs and alcohol or or if you're a violent person, when you're under pressure, when you know that you have to leave these things behind, 
it is so easy to default back and you look back because you don't know what the future holds and so you look back at the past to your default setting and Lot's wife was looking back. She yearned for the things that were back there. She yearned for what was back in Sodom even though she knew it wasn't right. And we too, you know, we get angry. We know we shouldn't but when something happens you default and go back before you move forward. And so Proverbs 6.11 says, As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. And we're no different, are we? We we just default back to what we know, what's easiest. It's like going to the weakest link and we just go back there time and again. But who knows that God keeps bringing these things up in our lives until we deal with them. So you'll keep going around the mountain until you stop and have a look and say, hang on, I've got to change something. It's in my power to change something because God has given me the power to change through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have to keep going back to what I know is not right. I don't have to keep going back there. God has given me everything necessary. Jesus has won the victory on the cross of Calvary and his blood covers everything and he has set us free, the Bible says, from every single thing. So we do have a choice. We do have a choice, despite how we've been brought up, despite what sort of situations we've found ourselves in in the past. If you're a born-again Christian, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you do have a choice. And the victory has been won. So we can change our default setting. What is a default setting? A default setting is a pre-selected option adopted by a computer program or other mechanism when no other alternative is specified by the user. So like when you get on a computer, it will automatically go to default font and colour. Now, if you, if you don't want black writing, you have to program it in, I don't want black writing, I want red writing. Or if you want to change the style of the font, well, then you have to go in and you have to actually change that style to get a different... Otherwise, it will just default to what's already been programmed in the computer. So we have to choose the option. And it's no different in our own lives. We have to choose what our default's going to be. And it doesn't have to be what life has thrown at us. It's sort of a bit like when you... I know Wayne's often done some repair work at home and if you take a screw out... And you've only got to move the, you want to screw it in just a fraction to the side of where it was. It's very hard to get the screw to go into a new screw hole if it's close to the other one. It'll just default, it'll want to go back into the original screw hole. And that's sort of what our default is like. Or um, on a property when you're driving around and you get the rut holes in in the road as you're driving your vehicle and the rut holes are deep. It's very hard when it's uh, wet to stay out of those ruts because they will automatically drag the vehicle back in to those ruts that are in the the road. And that's what our default setting does. It, It brings us back to where it wants us to be. But we have the choice to change that. We've all had um, bad experiences in our lives and different things we've had to deal with and, and at the time those things affect us. 
it affects your soul. It doesn't affect your spirit, but it affects your soul. When you're born again, your spirit is perfectly regenerated. It is perfect, it is pristine, but the problem is in our soul realm and our body. That's what's not perfected. And that's why we have to, through the blood of Jesus, perfect that. So our soul can be deeply wounded. So, for instance, if, um, if you were um, teased as a child or something, that hurt goes into your soul. So even then when you're an adult, if someone says something even jokingly to you, gee, you look a bit fat today or I don't like the clothes you're wearing, automatically your default mechanism will go back and you will react like that little child. So just as you reacted when you were a child of six or seven or whenever that first happened to you, that's how you're going to react. Because when words and and experiences have wounded our soul, your soul can't move past it unless it's covered by the blood, unless you take the blood of Jesus Christ and break that thing off your life. But we will automatically default back. So if someone says angry words to you and, and your father was a violent man, you will react like that little child reacted. Even though you might be 30, 40, 50, 70 years old, it doesn't matter. But you will, you will automatically go back. Our soul becomes stunted. It's like a bonsai tree, how it's placed in a small container and it looks like an old tree, it grows like an old tree, everything about it looks like an old tree except it's a miniature. And that's what happens to us. We get, we get trapped back to where that, first, that situation first affected your soul. It's sort of like a deer walking through the forest and if the, if the, the little fawn gets caught in a trap... The mother deer will keep coming back to the fawn. It'll keep coming back to the fawn. And that's what happens to us when that um, thing arises again. We'll go back, to, like that little fawn. We'll be back where that little fawn is, back to that trapped place in our life. But this can be broken by the blood. This can, you know, we can ask Jesus to come in. And I've had this counselling done before where you can ask Jesus to come into that situation when you know the blood of Jesus, see Jesus in that situation and what would he have done if he, when you were in that situation. You can call on his name, you can ask him to come and help and you can be released from that thing so that it no longer has that effect over you. So there is hope for us to change our default setting. You don't have to be stuck with it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we are new creations. So we, don't, we are no longer ruled by natural laws, but we now come under spiritual laws. And um, in, in Galatians 4.31, it says that we are no longer children of the bondservant, but we are children of the free woman. So we are children of the supernatural. We're not children of the natural anymore. We now come under the supernatural laws of God. So that's where we now get our new default setting from. This is where we've got to reset our default and set it into God's default settings. So 
We have been released from bondage and set free by the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 5.11 says, 11.15 says, and this is talking about all the great men and women of faith, Abraham and Rahab and Moses, and it lists all the people there. And in this verse it says, And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. In other words, if they had a look back at their default setting, if they had a thought about themselves as just being mere human beings, that they would have quite easily have gone back and not taken on the promise that God had given them. But all those men and women took a hold of the promise that God saw and most of those people did not actually enter the promise. They saw it afar off but it was focused, they were focused on what God had said and they believed what God had said and so their default was no longer, the world no longer had a pull and a hold over their lives but they just marched forward on for God and for what God had for them in their lives. So this is our natural default setting. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we've got to transform the way we, we think, the way we speak. You know, when the rain comes and it, it floods down the mountainside, down the hill, it'll automatically, the water will flow to the lowest place and it'll go into like a gully and then it'll run down to the creek. Now, there's no way that you're going to stop that water doing that unless you build a contour bank or something that will divert the water some other way but it will automatically default to the the crevices in the mountain and as time wears on it'll wear and erode those crevices until they become ravines and and gullies themselves and that's what's actually happening to us when we just go back and we just relive what we've been through That's what you're doing time and again, reliving what what happened. Colossians 1, 12 to 14 says, I'll just find that one. A lot of scriptures, but we've got to... um, It's not my words that will change you, it's what God's word says that will change us. Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 12 to 14 giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. That's like transferred, is like deportation. It's just instantly from here to there, like teleporting, (laughs) like... um, Doctor Who in his TARDIS, like that, one place to the other. So you're here today and then just instantly you're there. When you accept the blood of Jesus Christ, you are no longer a sinner. You are now partakers with Christ. And it's, it's instantaneous. There's no waiting period. And who, who has qualified us? Has your father qualified you or your mother or your brothers and your sisters or your friends or your employee or your workplace? It is the Father who qualifies us, our Father in heaven. That's the only one who qualifies us. So it doesn't matter where we've been. It affects us, but we can now break free. We can be set free and go on. God the Father qualifies us. And that's our default setting. 
John 14, 1 to 3. I'll just read that one. And it seems like a funny scripture to have here, but um, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, which is Jesus. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. That's a beautiful passage. And, and in that passage in verse 3, it says, he will come again. And he said, I, and receive you to myself. So that little, that little re, that little prefix there, means again. And the word sieve means to have. So Jesus will have us again. Now, when I hear the word again, that means I've had it before. If you can have it again, that means you've had it before. So I'm trying to get through to you this morning that we've already been where God wants us to be. When he created Adam and Eve in the garden, they were perfect, lacking nothing before the fall. We've had this before. We've been perfect and perfected before. And so when Jesus went to the cross, he said that you are redeemed by the blood of the, of the lamb. So remember, re means to have again. Deem means to regain the possession of. So when Jesus said, you are redeemed, he said, I have taken you back again. I've repossessed you again. We were lost, but now we are found. He has taken us back. He said, you are restored. Re is to have. Store is to build again. We have been built again. We have been restored. We have been made whole again. We were already whole because Jesus knew us before the foundation of the world. So we were once whole and we lost it. But we can have that again. We are reconciled by the blood. Again, we can have, be reconciled into relationship again. We can have relationship with the Father again through the blood. We are reinstated by the blood. So again, we can have our position beside the Father, beside Jesus at the right hand of the Father, heirs and joint heirs with Christ. This is our default setting. So we need to know the scriptures. We need to know who we are in Christ and we need to know that Jesus has already done it for us. We have been there before and we can be there again and we are there again. So now we can just bring the blood against anything that comes up against you, any opposition, and our default has to be that I am heirs and joint heirs with Christ, that I am the head and not the tail, that I am above only and not beneath. And no one's going to say, no, that didn't happen to you because, yes, it did happen to you, but we don't have to be bound by that thing. We don't have to be chained by that thing. We don't have to be held captive because Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to set at liberty those who were oppressed. He came to heal the brokenhearted. That's why he was anointed to preach the gospel, to set us free, to bring us back to himself 
again in our rightful position, in our rightful state beside the Father. And I just want to leave, leave you with this final scripture in, in Philippians 1.6. It say, says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. We can have confidence that he has started this work in us and it's not us that's going to achieve it. It's not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. It is his power that will perfect us. But we have our part to accept the blood and the work of the cross that we can be brought back, that we are whole, that we have been redeemed and restored and made whole, that we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ that we are no longer fragmented, we are no longer contaminated, but by the blood we can be set free. Amen. So, Father, I just thank you for this word this morning, Father. I thank you, Lord, that your word is truth and life, and, Father, that we can depend on your word. And I thank you, Lord, that as your word goes forth, that it will not return void, but, Lord, that it will accomplish that which you sent it to do. And Father, we thank you that you are going to complete the work in each person here today, Father, because you've started the work and, Lord, you are faithful to complete in every person's life what your will would be. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If anyone wants any prayer, please come out the front and I'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, there's a cup of tea.